What's going on guys? Sam Adams here and welcome to another episode of Caffeinate. Today for August the 16th, I hope that everything's working properly. Now my name is Samuel Adams and welcome to today's show. It seems my stream deck may have crashed OBS for one reason or another. Hey, it's not a perfect show, but it's a good show. Anyways, for those that don't know what you are listening to slash watching, this is a gaming news morning show where I bring you the hottest news from around the industry concerning everything uh, from new games coming out to drama going on within YouTube, stuff like that. Uh, anything that is happening, we are pretty much talking about it right here on an episode of Caffeinate, which is hosted live every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, and it's always a good time. A little bit of housekeeping before we jump into it. We're coming up on the five-month anniversary, I believe, if I can count correctly, uh, of Caffeinate, which is pretty crazy to me. As a matter of fact, we might have just passed it because I began around March the 12th, right after I turned 21, and I went ahead and started doing the show, and it's been a really awesome ride so far. So thanks for those that have listened. Uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, thank you for choosing to check out my podcast instead of doing something else with the rest of your day because... Hey, that was probably a better option to do whatever. Just kidding, you chose the best option as well. But to get down to the nitty-gritty of what we're going to be talking about today, after two months, 94% of players have deserted Realm Royale. That is our headliner for the day. IGN has pulled all of their controversial plagiarism workers' uh, work over the course of the past few years. Diablo 3 is going to be coming to the Nintendo Switch. Every pre-order of Metro Exodus on Xbox comes with another game. I bet if you thought hard and long, you could probably figure out what game that might be. Gone Home is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Halo Infinite is Halo 6, Microsoft confirms. Counter-Strike is getting a famous gun, and James Gunn will not be back for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It has been confirmed after a meeting yesterday and after... A couple of weeks of controversy. Uh, so without further ado, after a couple of technical issues, after jumping in to some housekeeping, let's go ahead and jump into the news of the day. After two months, 94% of players have deserted Realm Royale. A paltry amount. Oh god, that's a bad joke. For those that don't know, there is a chicken that you turn into whenever the uh, actual game is uh, ending for you, whenever you die, as they say. Uh, you begin to actually turn to a chicken and you have kind of like a last ditch effort to become, you know, alive again and pretty much everybody always just shoots the chicken, but it's become kind of their calling card. So that's the backstory for that joke. Not that anyone asked, I just thought that I would tell you. But the Battle Royale genre is a cutthroat business and its latest victim appears to be Hi-Rez Studios' Rum Royale, Emma Kent says over at Eurogamer. The game was released on Steam and Early Access on the 5th of June and despite attention from high-profile streamers such as Ninja, it has failed to retain public interest. According to stats on SteamDB via GitHype, the game has lost 94% of its player base in only two months, peaking at 105,440 players on June the 10th. The number yesterday slipped to a mere 5,561, which is still a lot of people. It's better than Lawbreakers was doing during its last days, so it's not like it's abysmal right now, but it's not looking too good for it. Realm Royale began life as a game mode, and Hi-Rez's more successful hero shooter Paladins kind of came out around the same time Overwatch did. It was also a free alternative to Overwatch, if you will. And uh, that's, as an aside, always what I've said about Hi-Rez is that they're really good at making quality games that are pretty much spin-offs or slight twist on something a more popular company is doing at the current time. But Realm Royale differs from other Battle Royales in a few ways. There are five different character classes, there's a crafting system, and players transform into chickens when killed. Yet even this gimmick has failed to prevent players from flying the coop. Haha, <laughs> these puns. Only a few days ago, Hi-Rez announced it is splitting its development resources into three separate studios for each of its major games. A new studio 
called Heroic Leap Games is now in charge of Realm Royale. You have to wonder whether Realm Royale's faltering player base is partly the reason for the change. The question now is whether Heroic Leap Games can reverse Realm Royale's slide into obscurity. With more big competitors such as Call of Duty about to enter the Battle Royale market, will Realm Royale end up costing high-res a pricely sum? Uh, I don't know that it'll cost them a pricely sum, but let me tell you right now, there is no way this game is going to be coming back because of what is coming out. You have to understand that whenever it comes to these major, major games like Call of Duty and Battlefield, a lot of people are writing them off saying that the Battle Royale is just going to be tacked on. But make no mistake, these companies are legacy companies, if you will. These are ones that have built up their reputation over time and are known for making good decisions nine times out of ten. Some more than others, but you know what I'm saying. So, with Battle Royale becoming such a big part of the gaming industry for Call of Duty to just make a quick swipe at it instead of investing a lot of resources into making a quality experience, that would be shocking to me. And whenever you pair Realm Royale up against Call of Duty whenever it comes to Battle Royale, you're probably not going to have that great of a response for Realm Royale because everybody knows the name Call of Duty and also it's a little bit more hardcore, if you will. Uh, It's a little bit more realistic. It's pretty much what people would expect from a shooter as compared to Realm Royale, which is just simply not. So... To see 94% of players leaving is not necessarily something that is shocking to me, uh, because it is kind of a niche style of game. Of course, it looks a lot like Fortnite, if you will. Uh, You know, it kind of has that similar kind of art style to it. But make no mistake, there are differences, such as the class system that was introduced to kind of uh, make a little bit more of a complex uh, style of play for a lot of people. But to see Realm Royale having this kind of of disparity between the people that are sticking around and the people that are playing is just kind of still 94% of players. I haven't seen numbers that low uh, and that have dropped that fast since Lawbreakers, which of course is pretty much the, uh, you know, iconic failure whenever it comes to a game. Sorry, Cliffy B. It is what it is. But uh, when it comes down to it, Rum Royale was a good game. I enjoyed it, but it just, it doesn't have that kind of... um tight shooting mechanic, I guess is the best way to put it. It doesn't have that kind of lasting appeal that something like Fortnite or even PUBG has. It just is a game that I would play for about maybe two hours. I streamed it a couple of times, and um, it was fun. You know, it was it was a fine game, but it wasn't anything that I would I would go ahead over heels for again. Uh, so best of luck to the guys over there at what is now Heroic Leap Games and also High res We'll see what happens. But of course, with Call of Duty and Battlefield coming out, there is no chance of Realm Royale retaining its player base. It's just going to be downhill from here until it eventually shuts down in a blaze of glory in a couple of years or so, uh, but it tends to be that hi has a pretty dedicated fan base uh, when it comes to their games, regardless of what subject matter or style of play that game actually has, uh, which is always really impressive for me, but uh, 5,561 of you guys are still out there playing Realm Royale, so you keep on enjoying it. You keep on living your life, but I'll be uh, I'll be over here playing the new Call of Duty and some Fortnite and um, PUBG occasionally, probably a lot of Battlefield Five. looking forward to that one. Uh, I was going to include a story, by the way, complete aside, little rabbit trail that we're on today. Uh, I was going to include a story from Game Rant that said that Red Dead Redemption 2 and Call of Duty are expected to outsell Battlefield 5. And it was kind of one of those moments where I thought, somebody wrote this headline with a serious idea. Like, somebody said, hey, you know what is a fact? Red Dead Redemption 2 and Battlefield 5, those aren't going to be selling the same. Call of Duty is going to even sell more than Battlefield. No shit, of course it is. Uh, but also in the chat, before we jump into the next story, Razum says, hey, Samuel, how's it going? It's going very well, my friend. Thank you for joining me on a live episode of Caffeinate. But moving on to the next story of the day. IGM pulls all of a writer's work after plagiarism scandal. Further evidence of former employees' wrongdoing prompts gaming site to scrub him from the archives. Last week, IGN cut ties with its Nintendo editor, 
Philip Myusin, I believe is how you say that. I still don't really care what his name is. After he was accused of plagiarizing substantial portions of his review for the game Dead Cells from YouTube channel Boomstick Gaming. This week it is scrubbing virtually all of Myusin's articles from the site. IGN editorial manager Justin Davis confirmed the move in a pair of posts on Twitter last night. Deeply disappointed and upset that it's looking more and more likely that we unwittingly hosted work that was directly lifted from or at best heavily derived from others, Davis said. I assure you we're taking very active steps to remove it all and make it right. I feel betrayed. To those asking, all the author's scripted byline content is being proactively removed for now, regardless of whether it was found to have an issue. Some of it may be restored later, some important coverage may be redone by other writers, and much of it will remain offline. In the weeks since Myuson's firing, numerous accusations of plagiarism have come to light, focusing on content he produced both before and during his time at IGN. Myusin joined IGN last October and had run his own YouTube channel since late 2016. Those have included speculation on his YouTube channel about how the Nintendo Switch's HD Rumble works, as well as coverage for Bayonetta 2 and Octopath Traveler. IGN has already posted a re-review of Dead Cells written by Brandon Tyrrell. I believe that's how you say that individual's name. But this is a crazy story because we saw a lot of plagiarism and a lot of accusations of plagiarism coming against uh, Philip over at IGN. Whenever we we saw the Dead Cells Boomstick Gaming review come out, and it was very similar in nature to the IGN review. A couple of words changed here and there, but overwhelmingly very similar. And of course, for those that don't know the definition of plagiarism, of course, this is not the actual... Actually, you know what? You know what? Let's do this. Definition. Let's do plagiarism definition. Plagiarism definition, according to Google, which I would assume is probably like Merriam-Webster or something, the practice of taking someone else's work or ideas, there is the big key phrase right there, or ideas, and passing them off as one's own. Because so often people think that plagiarism is literally copy and pasting somebody else's work into your work and calling it your own. That is what the general consensus is uh, whenever you talk about the bare necessity definition of plagiarism. That's what everybody kind of thinks about. However, However, it's also somebody else's ideas. So if you take the broad scope of somebody else's work and you change a couple of words and you call it your own work, yes, that is still plagiarism, even though it isn't verbatim, word for word, what the other person said. I can't make that clear enough because I know that a lot of content creators watch what I watch and watch what I make. And um, it's worth noting that any kind of plagiarism can be plagiarism in video form, written form, whatever you want to call it. Just because you are reading someone else's lines doesn't mean that they're your lines. Uh, but with the case of Myusin over at IGN, it's absolutely ridiculous uh, to hear that he has done this much plagiarism over the course of not only his career at IGN for the past few months, but also on his YouTube channel as well, which is kind of shocking and kind of uh, puts a good uh, perspective on things because I can confidently say that nothing I have ever done on my YouTube channel could be considered plagiarism. These are all my ideas. Uh, these are all things that I have done. Uh, I can confidently say that uh, everything that I've ever said or written is completely from my own because I know the value of being a trustworthy content creator. I know the value of being somebody who writes their own stuff and being an actual author and being an actual mind instead of being somebody who is mindlessly following the thoughts and mindsets of others. Uh, uh, anyways, I could go on forever about this, but when it comes down to it, IGN has pulled all of Myusin's work after the accusations and proof of plagiarism has been shown. Uh, will he come back? No. Will he ever be able to get a job in games media again? Likely not. Uh, will he ever be able to be a writer again? That's up for debate. Who knows? But, uh, of course, there have been many, many counts of plagiarism where people have come back and written books. Uh, I know that I think... I, uh, I was watching Colin Moriarty talk about something on his podcast or show or one of the things he makes, and uh, it was talking about the book that was 
that the movie Lincoln was based on was written by a woman who was, uh, you know, found to be plagiarizing a lot of work in the past. Anyways, I digress. That's more info than you need for today's episode of Caffeinate, but IGN seems to be taking a good bit of action against their former Nintendo editor, as they should, as they well should. I couldn't imagine working over there right now. Just to, it's, it's almost like, you know, you just get caught with your pants down and it's like, God, man, we're, you know, we're trying to build up the gaming news reputation. We're trying to make it a legitimate thing. And to see stuff like this coming out, just, it, it takes away from the work that so many people are doing to, to provide proof that it's worth people's time, you know? And uh, that's my thoughts on that. But moving on to the next story of the day. Report Diablo 3 is coming to the Nintendo Switch this year. It looks like the rumors are true. Blizzard Entertainment has dropped some serious hints about bringing the Diablo series to the Nintendo Switch in some form. And it looks like the rumor has been confirmed. Diablo 3 is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Details from a leaked report state that the Switch version will cost $59.99 and will include Diablo 3, the Reaper of Souls expansion, and the game's Necromancer class. Up to four players can adventure together on a single Nintendo Switch. Switch system and up to four systems can be linked together without a Wi-Fi connection if everyone would like their own screen. The game is also said to include new Ganondorf-themed armor unique to the Switch version. It is convention season for Blizzard, a player on Reddit said. If this is real, we either get an announcement next week at Gamescom or the first week of November for BlizzCon. This isn't the time of year where Blizzard does an announcement without an event to go with it, which is usually what they do at the end of the spring slash early summer. Diablo 3 for the Switch is said to be coming later this year. Just last week, Blizzard said in a video about the future of Diablo that the studio has, quote, multiple Diablo projects in the works. Some of them are going to take longer than others, but we may have some things to show you later this year. So, of course, this is going to be coming very soon. I would say there's probably going to be an announcement at Gamescom, because if you make something too late in the year, uh, then the impact goes away and you don't have a chance to really kind of capitalize on the holiday season that's coming up. So, to have an announcement at Gamescom next week means that there's probably going to be a mid-October, early October release date, if I had to guess, maybe November, uh, because October is very, very packed. But of course, with Diablo 3 coming to the Switch, it's not necessarily a brand new big, you know, deal. It's it's something that's been out for a while. Reaper of Souls has been out for years. Uh, and to have it coming to the Switch is more or less just a port that I would probably, to be honest, on an episode of The Drop, put in an honorable mention if nothing else was happening that week. Or rather, if a ton of stuff was happening that week. So, uh, of course, if you are excited about this, which I'm sure many, many people are, then I would expect it in the next couple of months to be because, obviously, holiday season. Uh, but if it's coming out in 2018, they've only got a couple of months left to wrap it up because it's crazy, but we're already halfway through August. Literally halfway through. Where is my life going? I can't believe it. Uh, let me tell you right now, as an aside, this is a little bit of a laid-back episode of Caffeinate. If you ever want to feel like your life is just flying by, start a daily podcast, because that thing comes around very quickly. I'm just telling you right now. However, if you did look forward to the Diablo 3 announcement, then you should be looking forward to it sometime next week. You can wait a little bit longer. However... If you're looking forward to Metro Exodus and you want to pre-order on the Xbox, you can get a copy of Metro 2033 Redux. The train edition should come with a real train, uh, says the guys over at Destructoid, who never fail to make me smile and also confuse me a little bit. Anyone whose first planned foray into the Metro universe will be the next February's Exodus has an added incentive to purchase the game on the Xbox One. There is a pre-order bonus that serves as a proper introduction to this series. Metro developer 4A Games has detailed the various versions of Metro Exodus, and there is a glaring difference between the Xbox One bonus and the bonuses on other platforms. People who pre-order on Xbox One will receive a digital copy of 2014's Metro 2030, uh, excuse me, Metro 2033 Redux, which is a remastering of 2010's Metro 2033. Those who pre-order on PS4 get a dynamic PS4 theme. Woo! Pre-orders on PC come with a digital art book, 
and the game soundtrack. I think I would rather get the dynamic PS4 theme, to be honest with you. The free video game seems like the runaway best prize here. There are also a few different editions of Metro Exodus. The most expensive is the Aurora Limited Edition, which comes with the game, the expansion pass, a 32-page art book, and a steelbook case that features the train that takes the protagonist, Artyom, I suppose is its name? Across Russia, this isn't available in the United States yet, but the pre-order page for the UK makes it seem like it'll run about a hundred bucks. There's also a digital-only gold edition that has the game and the expansion pass. It sells for eighty-five bucks, which means that the expansion pass retails individually for twenty-five dollars. We don't currently know how 4A plans to support Metro Exodus post-launch, but there's apparently some DLC in the works, as the expansion pass makes evident. We'll probably hear more about that closer to Metro Exodus's February twenty-second, twenty-nineteen release date. Uh, so, if you're looking forward to Metro, Exodus and you have an Xbox One and you're going to be playing on the Xbox One, then you can get a free game if you don't have it already. Now, I will say that the Metro games, the Redux versions, are normally available on Steam on sales for between, I would say, five bucks for both and ten bucks for both, something along those lines. Of course, as Metro Exodus builds up, uh, they're going to be trying to build as much hype as possible. So if you are looking forward to playing the game, but you don't have an Xbox One and you want to get in on 2033 Redux, you can probably find that over the next few months for a couple of bucks. Not too bad. Uh, so if you did want to uh, pre-order, you get it for free. But of course, it's not going to be some kind of rare, you know, thing to find to find the game on sale. So, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It seems like the game is going to be what Metro fans want. It's going to be a dystopian Russia kind of setting. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be fantastic as the other Metro games look. I've never actually played Metro. I played it a couple of times, but it just never did strike my fancy. That's just me, though. Uh, so if you did want to jump in and see what was going on with the Metro universe, then you can check out the new game, which comes out on February 22nd of next year. However, for right now, you can always play the Metro 2033 Redux if you did want to find out more. But man, $100 for that special edition without a real train uh, and also just an art book. So I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. But for those that like to explore abandoned homes, uh, you can check out Gone Home, which is now on the Nintendo Switch, or at least it's coming to the Nintendo Switch. It has been half a decade since Gone Home came out, but that hasn't stopped Fulbright from releasing it one more time now that the Switch is a port machine. Gone Home originally released uh, to critical acclaim in 2013. It follows a young girl who returns home to an empty house. The title was short, but focused on exploration and finding the story of what happened with your family while you were away. Gone Home was an incredibly influential indie title and helped popularize the walking simulator. In our original review over a Game Informer, we said Gone Home's biggest strength is how it tackles more complex and realistic subject matter than most developers would dare touch. For those who somehow avoided the original PC and subsequent console release, the Switch version is here for you. The game will be out on August the 23rd for $14.99. Overall, fantastic. I uh, really enjoyed this game. I played it whenever it was given away for free with PlayStation Plus probably a little bit over a year ago. And uh, overall, it's one that you can pretty much play in about between, I would say, maybe two and three hours if you really take your time. It's not a long game, but it's a really cool uh, story-based kind of walking simulator, as they said. A little bit of a creepy vibe, but a really cool story underlying there. So if you want to dive in and check out Gone Home, I would 100% recommend it. A really cool game. For $14.99, you're definitely getting your money's worth. Uh, Of course, it is on sale pretty frequently since it is five years old if you have something other than the Switch. Uh, But if you did want to play it on Nintendo's newest handheld slash console hybrid, you can check it out whenever it comes out on August the 23rd. Again, $14.99 very much so worth it. Also, Derek Swinehart, Swinhart, whatever his name is, intern over here at Game Informer. Good job. Good article, man. You're, you're making your way downtown, walking fast. Halo Infinite is Halo 6, Microsoft says. Halo Infinite is a direct sequel to Halo 5, even if it's not called Halo 6, as confirmed by Microsoft. 
Microsoft has been saying for years now that it wants to get away from numbered Halo games, but some fans were still left scratching their heads when the new game was revealed at E3 as Halo Infinite and not Halo 6. Now, 343's Jeff Easterling has spoken to stress, uh, excuse me, spoken up to stress that Halo Infinite is Halo 6, even if it's not specifically called that. It is Halo 6, Easterling said during a recent Mixer broadcast. You should just consider it Halo 6. Don't think of it as a weird prequel kind of thing. It's the next story. It's the next chapter in what's going on. Studio head Chris Lee already confirmed that Halo Infinite is a direct sequel to 2015's Halo 5 Guardians. It has also been confirmed that the new game will focus more on Master Chief, which is notable because Halo 5 split time between Chief and Agent Locke. It's good to hear 343 start to talk about what Halo Infinite is, but we still have so much more we want to know. While the trailer at E3 was impressive, it was for a new game engine, Slipspace, and not the game itself. Microsoft has not yet shown any gameplay, but there are also rumors that the game will re- uh, excuse me, will release in at least two parts, with single player arriving at the end of 2019 followed by multiplayer in 2020. Very strange. None of this is confirmed at this point. However, I feel like that would be just stabbing yourself in the leg with a screwdriver if you did that. What a weird metaphor to use for uh, putting, a, putting a stick in your spikes. Spokes? Same thing. Intriguingly, 343 has said the studio is making changes to how we approach things with Halo Infinite. 343 is also hoping to take players to new and unexpected directions with the game. These vague statements could mean a number of things, and the possibilities are exciting to think about. It seems encouraging that 343 isn't rushing things with Halo Infinite, and while the game might not be out soon, Halo 5 and Halo Master Chief Collection continue to get new updates and refreshes on a semi-regular basis, and you can find more information about Halo Infinite over on GameSpot as well as many other outlets, but specifically GameSpot because they had this fantastic article that I can read here on the show. So with Halo Infinite, I'm excited about it because I love Halo. It is the bread and butter of Xbox for me. It is what makes the Xbox worth getting every generation. Now, have I gotten it at the beginning of every generation every time? No, I have not. But when it comes to it, I love the Halo series, especially Halo 5 Guardians. I was a big fan of it. I know that a ton of people said that it wasn't their game. They had sped up the gameplay too much. There were a lot of issues with the game. Uh, A lot of people do not like Halo 5. I was one that did, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what is presented with Halo Infinite. The one thing that I want is a PC port. Of course, that's not the subject matter at hand, but it's good to see that it is continuing the story. I'm glad to hear that it's not going to be a Halo Reach kind of thing where it's a completely different and separate entity uh, in and of itself to see that it is the next mainline Halo game. Is comforting and it's good, and I think overall it's a pretty awesome move on their part. Uh, so if you did want to jump in and give it a shot, it's looking like 2019, 2020, somewhere around there. Uh, but again, the Master Chief Collection has gotten a huge update and is continuing to get updates to improve not only the back-end server stuff and matchmaking, but also to improve the overall user interface. And on top of that, Halo 5 is also still a fantastic game. Uh, so if you did want to jump in and check those out, I believe both of them are on Game Pass. And both are, at least they're on Game Pass or they're coming to Game Pass. I know Halo 5 is, and I think the Master Chief Collection was announced at E3 to be coming or to have come to game pass a fantastic deal which is also on sale right now for 30 bucks not ad or anything like that but just you know 30 bucks totally worth your time However, for those that play on PC, Counter-Strike Global Offensive brings back the MP5. The old reliable submachine gun makes its debut in CSGO today, which I suppose would be yesterday. Yeah, that was yesterday. Counter-Strike's K&M submachine gun, better known amongst players as the MP5, is now part of the arsenal in Counter-Strike Global Offensive as part of an update released today by Valve. It is the first time the gun, which has made an appearance in every other Counter-Strike game, has been available in CSGO. CSGO's version of the MP5 is known as the MP5SD and comes with an integrated silencer. According to the Counter-Strike blog, the new gun features higher movement speed at the cost of some damage and accuracy on the move. Valve is offering the MP5SD as an alternative to the MP7, the submachine gun that effectively 
successfully replace the MP5 and K&M SMG in CSGO. Global offensive players will be able to try out the new MP5 SD in offline modes and in on, uh, official casual and deathmatch servers. Counter-Strike's MP5 is based on the real-world Heckler & Koch uh, MP5N. I probably am massacring, massacring these things because I'm not a gun guy. Uh, but the gun is a popular choice in Counter-Strike and Counter-Strike Source due to its low cost, high rate of fire, and low recoil. And also, it's very popular in pretty much every other game ever made by mankind. Uh, so if you did want to jump in and give that a shot, I'm not just because I don't play CSGO because I have a life. Just kidding. It's a fine game. But if you did want to check out the MP5, it's there for your enjoyment and um, your massacring and all that good stuff. Uh, but overall, really fantastic looking gun. I like the model. I like the uh, the way that it's presented. And I'm sure that many, many people will be using this. And it will be cool to see how it is handled uh, on the official tournaments as well. How are people going to be using this? What is the new meta? Uh, is it going to change all that stuff? I believe I'm saying things that are relating to professional gaming. But... The final story of the day is that James Gunn won't be back for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I know this isn't a gaming-related story, but I feel like it's been such a big news story that I should talk about it here. After a meeting between James Gunn and Disney Studio Chairman Alan Horn, it appears that Marvel and Disney will not be reinstating Gunn as director of the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. As reported by Variety, Gunn and his UTA reps pushed hard for him to be given a second chance, and Horn decided to take a courtesy meeting on Tuesday. The meeting was said to be civil and professional, but sources have claimed that Horn will not be changing his stance and they will continue production of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 without gun. The sources also said the Marvel president, Kevin Feige, was out of town and wasn't present at the meeting. They further explained that while it was rumored that Feige was pushing to bring Gunn back, he stands by the studio's decision to not bring back the Guardians director for the third installment. This news comes almost a week after it was reported that Marvel was trying to persuade Disney to bring back Gunn, especially after the cast of the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, issued a statement in defense of the ousted director. There is no further word on if Disney and Marvel will be using the script that Gunn wrote, but Dave Batista said that he would not reprise his role as Drax the Destroyer if they decide not to. Gunn was fired as the result of controversial tweets resurfaced by conservative pundits, and Variety reports that nah, the hunt is now on for a new director, and it's still unknown if these developments would delay the production on the third Guardians film, and I would say they probably will. Uh, but I did want to tell you guys about this. For me, I'm not a big Marvel guy, so I don't really care either way. What I will say is that with James Gunn, the situation is especially dicey because essentially he was outed uh, by what many would consider to be kind of, I don't want to say enemies of the people, but essentially people that just want to get a rise out of people and really want to continue this trend of social unrest in society. Uh, that's pretty much the way that I perceive it. Of course, you could have your own opinion. That's just me. Uh, but overall, this uh, far right kind of uh, whistleblower, if you will, dug up some very old tweets that, of course, don't reflect the current character of James Gunn. Of course, some would say that if you say something once, you always believe it. I don't believe that's true. Uh, I believe that if you go back on my Twitter for five years, because I made a Twitter, I think 2011, something along those lines. If you go back a couple of years on my Twitter, I am a totally different person than I am now because we all as people continue to evolve and learn and we shape ourselves based on our experiences. And so with James Gunn being um, let go from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, it's not only sad, but it's also a, a reflection of the times where everybody's looking to get a rise out of people and looking to just, you know, generate a lot of unrest. And it's, it's sad to see, and it's sad to see Marvel go through this, and it's sad to see that Guardians of the Galaxy is going to suffer because of it. Of course, that's not the main issue here. Of course, it's James Gunn and his career and, and, and what is right, you know, the question of morality. However... We won't dive too far into that. I hope you guys have enjoyed today's episode of Caffeinate. If you did, you can follow me over on Twitter at PrettyChillGuy if you did want to follow along for all of the news of the day, all of the opinions, all of what I'm doing throughout the day, and also all of the videos and streams that I do upload and go live with. You can always check out all of that on my Twitter feed. 
Uh, but of course, if you happen to be new to the uh, podcast, I appreciate you taking the show out and taking the time to listen to this show. If you enjoyed it, consider subscribing. You can follow me on YouTube for all the updates, and you can watch the show live over there on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Unless I do something crazy like hit a dump truck and have to cancel on the fly. That happened a couple of weeks back. Yes, I hit a dump truck. Who knows how? But anyways, you guys have a fantastic rest of the day. I will talk to you soon, and we will see you tomorrow. Peace.